and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. Cool. And tell the show, we're talking about the six times when paying down debt just makes sense. And you know what? We've been banging on about interest-only loans for so many years because back when we started the podcast four, almost five years ago now, so many people thought that paying down debt was the one and only answer. But now that we've been banging on about interest-only loans, some people that paying interest-only is the only answer. And look, that's not always true, right? Both can make sense in different situations. So we want to take things the other way and talk about when principal and interest actually make sense. Now, Andrew, what's number one? Number one, you've already paid off your own personal mortgage. Now, we're not anti-paying down debt, but we're pro-minimizing your tax in a legal way. So interest deductibility has become a big thing recently. And so we know it's better for us to pay off our non-interest deductible debt before paying off the debt which is interest deductible. Because that reduces our tax, right? Correct. So if you've got a home mortgage, any extra cash that you've got per week should go into that until you move on to your investment debt. So you always pay off your personal mortgage first, then you move on to investment debt. But if you've, if you've already done that, if you've already paid off your personal mortgage, then absolutely, you can pay down investment debt then. But we're just suggesting you do it one property at a time. And the other part with that, and this is really important to understand, is that let's say you could go principal and interest on your investment property. Well, instead of doing that, we often suggest taking the $109 a week that you'd put into the investment property and take that money and put it into paying off your home mortgage. So it's not about necessarily always trying to minimize the amount of money you put into your properties, but it's about directing it in the right way. The second time where paying principal and interest makes sense is when you can't get interest only because it is harder to get an interest only loan compared to a principal and interest mortgage. And the reason behind this is all about the length of time that your mortgage is tested on. So if you go in, put a mortgage application in for a standard principal and interest loan, the bank is going to see, can you pay it off over 30 years? Now, if you go in, same mortgage application, but now you're applying for an interest only loan, they're going to test it over 25 years, right? And the reason behind that is they say, okay, we're going to give you a five-year interest-only period. After that, you've got your mortgage is now 25 years. So can you pay it off over 25 years, right? And the issue with that is that if you are going to pay off a loan over 25 years rather than 30 years, obviously you're going to have to make higher repayments because you're paying off the same loan in a shorter amount of time. So you're going to have a higher repayment. So that's why sometimes from an income perspective, it can be harder to get an interest-only loan compared to a principal and interest mortgage. Now, that is why some investors, if you're really tight on the income side, you might only get approved for principal and interest and not interest-only. Now, if that's the case, it is sometimes better to have a house and being paying down principal and interest rather than saying, nah, I'm only going to go interest-only, and if I can't get interest-only, then I don't want an investment property. Now, that line of thinking sometimes makes sense, but sometimes it's better to have the investment property today rather than waiting three or four years to you're in the position where you can get that interest-only loan. And Andrew, let's put this all into context. How much extra does a principal and interest mortgage cost in today's market? So say you borrow a $600,000 mortgage and your interest rate 7%. Now, if you're on principal and interest, your repayment is $921 a week. If you're interest only, it's $808 a week. So there's about $113 a week difference. Right now, we kind of say a good rule of thumb 
on a 600K property is you might be topping up about $400 a week. You might be covering a shortfall between the rent and the expenses of $400 a week. Now that's on interest only. So if it goes to principal and interest, you need to add another $113 on, so $513. So look, as a percentage of the total contribution, it's about a 25% increase. So it's, it's significant, but it's probably also not the end of the world if you can afford it. So if the bank is saying you have to be principal and interest, that's just the way it is, take it or leave it. Okay, well, just consider it compulsory savings. Yeah, sometimes I think of it a bit like a non-bank lender. So let's say you can't get the loan you want from a main bank, you go to a non-bank lender, you're going to pay a higher interest rate for a short period of time. But the usual strategy with a non-bank lender is that after a couple of years, your income situation's probably improved, maybe interest rates have gone down, your rent has probably gone up. So you might switch from that non-bank lender to a main bank and take the lower interest rate. You can kind of do the same thing with the interest only. So let's say you could only get principal and interest today because of your income situation. Well, again, over time, your income's probably going to go up, the rent's going to go up, interest rates may come down. And so after two or three years of paying down principal and interest, you might say, right, I'm going to refinance banks, I'm going to change banks, and I'm going to go and get someone who's going to give me interest only in that situation. The benefit of doing that rather than using a non-bank, obviously, is that extra money that you've been putting into the property is effectively for savings you're paying down debt rather than just paying a higher interest rate. Number three is if you can't wait for capital growth. So let's say you want to invest in property, but you're only seven years away from retirement. Your strategy will be different to someone who's 35 today retiring in 30 years' time. And that's because you don't have enough time to rely on capital growth because it's more uncertain in the shorter period of time and it's harder to forecast. So you might, in your instance, go and buy a property that's high yielding and you might pay that off over the next seven years or pay as much of it off over the next seven years so that you can actually live on the rental income in that period of time. Yeah. And I know one strategy, let's say you're 60 years old, you might go buy a high yielding property today, start on principal and interest Maybe you work an extra couple of years past 65. So maybe you get to 65 and you say, well, I can really work to 68, so I'll keep doing that. I'll keep paying down debt during that time. But you also take your superannuation that you're now getting because, I mean, if you're 60 today, you are going to get superannuation. Take that extra 25 grand a year or whatever it happens to be and put that into paying down debt as well as a bit of a forced saving so you can't quickly go and spend that on something else. But that means that maybe by the time you do want to retire, that property may be producing some decent cash flow because you've paid off so much debt. So capital growth is great if you've got a long time horizon because over 15 years plus, you're pretty likely to get some decent capital growth. In five years, you just can't rely on that. So you want a more certain strategy. Paying down debt is pretty certain. It's really easy to forecast. I think the fourth scenario where paying down debt makes sense is when you're just following a different strategy. So I remember reading in Graham Fowler's book, I think it was, what was it, 25 properties in a year or is it 50 properties one year? I can't remember what it's called, Andrew. 10 properties in 15 years or something? No, 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 no. We've, bu we've butchered it. We've totally butchered it. 10 years and 10 properties. No, it's not 10 years and 10 properties. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 25 properties in one year. Let me just quickly Google it. Oh, it's 20 rental properties in one year. So in that book, he talks about that his test for whether something's a good investment, and you know, bear in mind this was written, I'm pretty sure back around 2012. So you know, the numbers will be completely wrong today. But his test at that time was that his property needed to pay for 
rates, insurance, and property management, and also a principal and interest mortgage. So <laughs> not not including some of those other costs that we usually talk about, but it was principal and interest mortgage. And his whole strategy is I want my properties paying down my debt. Now, just remember that can create a tax liability as well. There are some things to think about, but it's a different strategy. So if you're looking at property through a different lens, then paying down principal can make sense. His whole thing is, well, actually, I don't want to think about the capital growth, so I'm going to buy a property, I'm going to have it pay off the mortgage, and then in 30 years, I'll have a debt-free house. So if you're taking a different strategy, paying down principal certainly can make sense. Number five is if you want to save on interest. So it's important to remember, while an interest-only loan has its benefits, and I'll come back to those, you do pay more interest to the bank because your mortgage isn't going down. So a 600k mortgage with an average interest rate of 5%, after 30 years, you would have paid the bank 450k if it's interest only. If it's principal and interest, you will have paid only $387,000. And that's that's an interest. You also would have paid more because you're making principal repayments as well. Yes. But in terms of those interest costs, you are going to pay around about an extra $63,000 over, well, we're talking 15 years. Yeah. And the reason is because, of course, you're paying payments down. Now, again, that doesn't mean that interest only isn't a good option for most investors because most investors, particularly at the moment, want better cash flow. They want to get a higher return on investment. And the more cash flow that you've got to put into a property or the more money that you've got to put into a property, the more it brings that ROI down. And the main reason for that is whether you use an interest-only mortgage or principal and interest, you're going to get the same amount of capital growth, right? Just because you change your mortgage structure doesn't mean your house goes up in value faster. If you're putting less money into a property but getting the same amount of capital growth, that can give you a better return. So interest only does have its benefits. Sometimes it means that you can even buy more investment properties because the cash flow is a wee bit better. So you think, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. But what we're just trying to say is principal and interest can be good for some people too. And I think the sixth reason when paying down principal makes sense is that when interest rates drop. So as interest rates fall, it might be worth keeping your repayments exactly the same, but starting to pay down more debt off your loans. And this is a bit of a mindset hack. So if you are finding it a stretch, but it's okay to pay these current high interest rates, you know, if you're not hemorrhaging money and being worried about your financial situation, but you know, maybe it's still a bit tight. As interest rates come down, you might say, I'm going to really challenge myself. I'm going to keep paying my mortgage as if it's a 7% interest rate, but put that money into paying down debt faster. You know, really trying to effectively change your spending habits to try and pay down debt. Now, some people can't sustain that. You know, if these interest rates, today's interest rates are absolutely killing you, you're very stressed, just take the lower repayment. That might be the right option for you. But for some people, maybe as interest rates fall, you actually do want to put that money towards paying back debt. It kind of depends on your individual circumstance because if you want to grow your portfolio, then paying down that debt might not be sustainable on top of growing a portfolio. But again, if you've got one investment property, you've already paid off your mortgage, that's going to be it for you. Absolutely fine. So it is horses for courses. You can't say one size fits all when it comes to interest only loans. I'd probably say at number seven as well is if only a portion of your loan is on principal and interest. So sometimes when you split bank, you go and you get your deposit from oh, one yeah. bank and then you go and get, so if you're buying an existing property, you get a 35% deposit from your main bank, then you go to another bank, get the rest, the other 65%. Uh, if it's a new build, it's 2080. 
Now, in that case, your main bank may say, cool, we'll give you the deposit loan for this investment property, but it has to be on principal and interest because there are different rules around interest only when it's a loan against your owner-occupier home. And that sometimes shocks investors. They think, oh, but I thought I could get 100% interest only. Well, sometimes you can and often you can, but sometimes you can't. It really does depend on your bank. It depends on your financial situation and what happens when they assess your mortgage. You know, if you've got a lot of income, you probably can get interest only. If your income situation is a little bit more tight, maybe you're going to have to pay principal and interest on that deposit loan. In that case, again, it can still make sense to go ahead and accept some amount of principal and interest so you can get that extra investment property. So as the market turns, you've got an extra house that's going up in value. So I guess, what are we saying, Andrew? So I think the main thing is interest only is still going to be the first port of call for most investors out there. But if you can only get principal and interest and you can afford the contributions, go for it. Yeah, it's interest only isn't all good. It's not all bad. Principal and interest isn't all good. It's not all bad either. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to talk about, just send me an email, editopuspartners.co.nz or click us a message on Instagram. We are at opus underscore partners. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ted McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.